When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hi, this is Tom Clifford for Practical Social Media. How can you use social media marketing for your business, community group, or nonprofit? Today's show features Tom Jacoby of Number One on the List, Andy Levine of Keller Williams Realty, Jean Madrid, a certified professional midwife, and myself, Tom Clifford at TC and Company, and volunteer for New Hyde Park Museum Media Productions. Hi, this is Mildred Tassoni, and welcome to Practical Social Media. Thank you, Mildred, for inviting me here today. And uh, thank you, Tom Clifford. Okay, always a pleasure to be associated with you. So here's the scoop. Google has decided that bad links are unnatural. They're spam links. They're left on blogs, forums, article directories. Okay, and those, along with links that have been paid for, are bad links. Okay, good links are links from social media accounts from established online magazines or third-party blogs that the person in question contributes to. When a person provides the subject matter of the articles, and those articles are relevant to your online business, that's the good stuff. Now, a big help is if you have Google Author Rank, which uh, indicates that you are an employee, a reliable writer who produces high-quality content. And this is kind of key. Google Author Authorship is one easy way for Google to tell the difference between the good links and the bad links. All right, the good links with Google authorship with uh, the tag so that you get the little picture that shows up when your stuff is being displayed, right? Those are good links as opposed to the bad links, which are, you know, these paid links, not to include any Google paid links, I might add, but paid links are considered to not be desirable. And the idea is that paid advertising is not a desirable user experience, right? A desirable user experience is, is you get relevant information about exactly the topic you're searching for, that it's as complete as possible, that it's as up-to-date as possible, and it's original. It's fresh. It's natural. It's not Oh, spun 8,000 times all over the Internet. It's new and it's right on topic, okay? By establishing a system of trusted authors, of people who want their names associated with their writings, by establishing a system to do that, Google now has a quick and easy way of separating the wheat from the chaff, of telling the good content from the not-a-so-hot-a content. Uh, that's one of the one of the things behind Google authorship and why it's a benefit. All right, so if you want to look into how to create this, you go to your Google Plus profile, you go to your About page, and you want to edit that. You want to add all the, the home pages of the websites or blogs that you contribute to in the Contribute To section of your About page on your Google Plus profile. You add all of those, okay? At the end of all of these posts you've contributed, you include a, your signature. Now, your signature gets linked to your Google Plus profile with the following code, okay? It's https colon slash slash plus dot google dot com slash, that's your name here, slash question mark rel, R-E-L equals author. You know what? If, if you didn't get any of that, that's no problem. 
send me an email. I'll be happy to give you the code, all right? All right. The point is that your full name needs to appear exactly the same on your Google profile as it does in your rel equals author link, okay? Those need to be the same. A lot of this may or may not be necessary. You want to have a good headshot on your Google profile. You want to use all the, the Google author authorship link, you know, as much as possible and make that part of your signature at the end of your posts, okay? Th that's all good stuff, but Google is starting to do this automatically, which is for you, so that's always good. Now, one of the benefits of this is when you post something and it shows up in search results, there's that little headshot next to there, right? So your headshot and the fact that you're a quality producer of content, according to the Google authorship scheme, you're a quality producer of content. So the headshot plus that is supposed to increase your click-through from search results by 30 to 150%. The jury is still out on this, but that's, that's what we're looking for, is an increased click-through, okay, which is all good. Plus, you get the cool-looking little picture, you know, and, and people do like that. That's part of the appeal of YouTube videos. It shows up in search result as a little screenshot, and this is a desirable situation, okay? All right, so that's just a couple of minutes. I don't want to cut into Mildred's time or Tom's time. Sorry for not being with you live and in person today, but, uh, you know, here we are. Here's a little bit of stuff about Google authorship, and I'm happy to continue this conversation anytime you want. Tom... Number one on the list.com. Email is Tom the at sign, number one on the list.com. Okay, so there's my website and my email. Hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Tom. Up next, we have Andy Levine, who has some interesting insights on how she has incorporated social media into her real estate business, from pricing a home to shorter selling cycles. This is Andy Levine. I'm with Keller Williams Realty. I handle Nassau County and Long Island. Um, I've been working in real estate for 40 years, and I look forward to helping you find or sell your home. You know, Andy, um, it's funny. I know it may sound a little silly, but uh, w watching Seinfeld one episode, George was trying to get into a co-op, and he had to go in front of the board. And it's funny that he could have had all his credentials and all the technical stuff all taken care of, but he had to pass the muster on that board. And is that kind of what goes on with co-ops? Well, actually, that's definitely a factor when purchasing a co-op, which is possibly one reason a lot of people won't even consider co-ops, getting in front of the co-op commandos. When purchasing a co-op, you're purchasing shares in a corporation, and you'll get a proprietary lease instead of a deed. Um, and you must fill out and submit an application including reference letters and extensive personal financial information to this board of directors. Um, and then they have, they have the opportunity to either approve or disapprove you to purchase the property. And that's a reason that a lot of people won't even consider a co-op. Um, for somebody like a Seinfeld, they might think he's too famous and would bring a lot of attention to the building and thus mm, could be turned down. They feel that the price is below a certain benchmark and will bring down the other units in the building. They can turn you down for that as well. And the problem is, is that there's no accountability. They don't have to tell you why they're turning you down. They really kind of monitor anybody who's going to be in their building, which is one of the reasons they typically don't allow uh, their units to be rented and they don't allow tenants sometimes they give you a small window where you can rent but that's another issue 
and a lot of people don't purchase co-ops because they feel if they've grown out of it and they want to keep it and move on to something else and keep it as an investment, they can't do that because they can't rent their apartments. So if the market turns down at that time and it's harder to sell, they're stuck paying these high maintenances to carry the apartment until it gets sold or until the market has a turnaround. There are a lot of handicaps to a co-op, yet the space is usually larger than a comparable condo because they have these issues. So in addition to which they pay one maintenance, which includes their taxes, as opposed to a condo, which has a separate tax, and then common charges to maintain the building. Andy, on your website, you'll have a, a download with the 12 steps to buying a condo or co-op. Yes. So um, it outlines it, so we'll have a link for you to that. Right. Okay. Would you like to talk some about the changes you've made in your real estate business to accommodate this, the new mobile and tablet focus? All right. Well, in my world, I've implemented all the latest tools and technology necessary to market and sell a property. The successful agents cannot sit back on their laurels, put a home on the multiple listing service, put their hands together, and pray that another agent or someone that walks into an open house will either buy or sell the property at the best possible price in the shortest amount of time and with the least amount of stress to the homeowner. Selling real estate today involves learning all the tools of social media to create SEO. For anybody who doesn't know what SEO is, it's known as search engine optimization. This means bringing your listing to the top position of a Google search. Because most people, when they go to search for something on Google, they go to one page, page number one, and they don't go any further than that. This is a totally different field than selling real estate. This is marketing the property to be sold. And the property, the proper utilization of Facebook, Craigslist, LinkedIn, blogs, and Pinterest are just some of the ways to accomplish this. I think you've done uh, an effective Pinterest board. Well, I try to put information on open houses that are occurring, on the areas that they're occurring in, what's happening in the areas, um, giving people as much information to make qualified decision when they decide to purchase a home. I was going to ask a quick segue question here, uh, something Mildred and I had talked about, Instagram. You think that might be a proponent in selling real estate in the future or now? Um, Anything that gets out to the public in a quick fashion is going to be advantageous to a seller and a purchaser. So I think absolutely that will have some kind of an effect on on selling properties. I mean, I use e-property sites as an avenue to promote a home, which creates a single uh, site per listing, and that links to share also the information on social media, including the mobile sites, uh, such as the smartphones. Um, In addition, there's a QR code, which is provided to get to the site, so it's just about almost right in your pocket. So there's, it's hard not to find out as much as you can. You're right. And the lead capture, which is contacting the person who was shown an interest, is, is crucial in order to convert this lead over. So having somebody just click on it and not being able to speak with that person isn't accomplishing what has to be accomplished. So that's a, a very integral part of this whole thing. And another tool that I use in pricing a listing is, is something called geodata, 
And that's an application that's used by appraisers to appraise a home for the lender. It compares things from a house that's been sold to the house that you're the subject property, such as the gross living area, the property size, the amount of bedrooms and bathrooms, and then it takes these and it makes the proper adjustments and comes up with the proper CMA, which is the current market analysis of the subject property. So having this information at your fingertips makes it much easier to properly price a home. And and if you price it right, the quicker it sells. I mean, it's such exactly. a key component. And that way, you having that information takes guesswork out of it. It's pure numbers. So um, Yes, it's very helpful. And once the appraisers come, if the price is much too high, it's hard to get a mortgage. So that's another factor in, in pricing a home properly. But another factor um, with the Internet is making sure that your home is staged prior to putting it on the market. Because once again, you can't make a first impression twice. And once you see photos of something, if they have unmade beds and rooms that have lots of clutter, it doesn't show well and people don't even bother to come to see it. You should be taking professional floor uh, floor plans, professional photos, virtual tours, um, and always for the, the buyer to inspect the property prior to going out looking, and they'll eliminate a lot of properties that they have no interest in. That basically cuts the process of home searching down. As it used to be, it's, people would look at 100 houses before they could pick one, and today you can get away with sometimes 10% of that. I remember earlier when we were talking, you had said something to the effect of moving pods, right? People might want to take advantage of them just to get the clutter out. Right. They can use a pod. They can go to a storage center. Sometimes you get the first month for free. Um, just to get your house as clutter-free as possible is is huge because people picture themselves in this home, and when they see all this clutter, they can't picture themselves in it, and that will deter them from making an offer. What about selling, the selling process? Well, in today's world, the sellers are facing a lot of scrutiny from lenders who are looking to make sure that the property, in order to secure a loan, is free and clear of encumbrances and has all the municipal approvals on it. So some of the items that are not acceptable are open permits, a lack of certificate of occupancy, um, not having the proper egress from a finished basement, um, not having variances where they're necessary. So all these things are things that sellers have to do in order to get their property sold. And if it's not done prior to them listing the house, it could hold up the the whole process for months and months, even a year or more. So that's something that you should be making sure your broker goes and checks in the town to make sure that, that all of this is in order. Okay. What about any advice for a new agent? Okay, for a new agent, I would give the same advice as for an experienced agent who forgets to do some things that they should be doing. Know your inventory. In order to help somebody make an offer on a property, you have to know what was sold and what that had. And typically the banks go back six months um, for appraisal, so you should at least know six months back. You should be communicating with your buyers, with your sellers, with any cooperating agent. If you have an interest in something, you should get back to the seller's agent and say, my customer is thinking about it. Please let me know if there's anything going on before you accept something. Um, You should be putting your offers in writing. You should be pre-qualifying your buyers. 
meaning having them meet with a mortgage lender in order to put them in a better position when they make an offer. Um, and they really have to learn how to use the Internet, to communicate on the Internet, to market on the Internet, um, and to use it as a great um, channel for their business. And if you ask me what is the advice for an experienced agent, I would say the same thing. Uh-huh. Absolutely the same thing, but the key to everything is communicate, communicate, communicate. Uh-huh. Okay, well, thank you very much. Um, your Pinterest is uh, pinterest.com slash Andy Levine uh, team. Same thing, your website, andylevineteam.com. And we'll have uh, handouts and links to all your social sites and blogs, and then people can go there. It'll also be on our Pinterest. So. Thank you so much. Next up are Jean Madrid and Mildred Tosoni. My name is Jean Madrid. My husband and I live in Oklahoma. Uh, I've been a midwife for many years, and I currently still have my uh, certification as a certified professional midwife. Currently, I'm not practicing because my husband is on a, a waiting list for a for transplant. Uh, I'm acting as the fundraiser coordinator to help use social media and all different media, whether it's email, marketing, whatever, to uh, help not only fundraise but provide information on transplants, hepatitis B. So we've been working on that and learning about hepatitis B. So why don't you start off, just tell us how Mark got it, if you would, and then the first thing we've been looking at this past week or so is hepatitis C and testing. To begin with, he found out that he had hepatitis C in 2006. There was a uh, doctor who was a pulmonologist doctor because Mark was having some difficulties, uh, uh, experiencing shortness of breath. So he, he went ahead and he tested and sure enough he came back positive hepatitis C. So we, we can only speculate how Mark uh, was affected with the hepatitis C virus, and it most likely was uh, from 1967. He was in a motorcycle accident, and uh, his right leg from below the knee was amputated. At that time, he received 45 units of blood. In 1967, the uh, blood blood transfusions was not tested for bloodborne pathogens, and hepatitis C being one, hepatitis B would be another one, and HIV would be another one. Uh, I like to say we can only uh, speculate that's where he received it because there's other ways that you can uh, come in contact with the, uh, the virus. You know, he received blood another time in, uh, I think it was 1983. That was before the blood uh, was being tested for bloodborne pathogens also. But nowadays, there are treatments for hepatitis C, that's why it's good to know you have it because then you can address how to deal with it. So as as we've been working and what we've been doing is using social media and general media, but Pinterest board, uh, Facebook, start next will be more into Google. So what we've been trying to do is put information there and make it easy for people to learn about become an organ donor. Uh, dispel some of the myths that, oh, people won't work to save you if you're a, a donor. That's one of the first myths that come to mind. And along with that, we think everyone should get tested in the boomer area. Then that becomes the whole issue of 
medical privacy and how you do it. So, Jean, why don't you describe what you did and how you came to that conclusion? I decided to uh, go with a uh, nonprofit organization called HealthPro.com. I found them through the CDC. I wasn't ready to be tested then, but I was just checking it out and, uh, to see what they had to offer. Uh, so, you know, I thought about it for a while, and I did some uh, a little bit of searching myself as a midwife. I have a lab account, uh, and I, I checked, and uh, it would have cost me almost twice as much even having my own account to do a hepatitis C antibody test. So the uh, the healthpro.com, they're actually in conjunction with some other nonprofit organizations, uh, so they're all working together, and they're able to uh, give you a discount code, and the test, cost $42.40, which is a very reasonable price. It's private. Uh, I, I finally uh, see, oh, first they walk you through, the counselor walked me, walked me through how to, uh, where to enter the information that was needed, and I did that. And I used my credit card. It's that simple. The, the reason that another thing to consider, uh, that I did consider, was going to my primary doctor. I, I'm 66, so I do have Medicare, but the only thing with Medicare is that they don't necessarily cover it. So if I would have gone to the doctor and uh, had her do my lab work, it probably would have cost me a lot more than $42.40. <laughs> Another way that uh, if anybody's donated blood, say to the Red Cross, the Red Cross will let you know if you had blood-borne pathogens in your blood, you would be notified. So, you know, keep that in mind, too. Well, thanks, everyone. It's been a pleasure speaking with all of you, and we look forward to the next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.